education team for Jackson Family Wines proudly brings you these podcasts for your listening enjoyment. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Bud Break. Today, I'm joined by Molly Battenhouse and Wendy Hammond. We're going to be chatting about cold calling. So the steps to how to create a good day of cold calling, maybe how you want to intersperse cold calling into your day to try to tap into those new accounts. Uh, Molly and Wendy and I are going to give you some tips and tricks for how to best utilize your time and market and get into those accounts that maybe you've been having a little trouble getting into. So Molly, can you give me just kind of a quick background about you as well as kind of your, you know, thoughts about cold calling and why it's important? So Molly Battenhouse, Master of Wine, I am your educator on the East Coast. So my background is not just here in wine education, although I have been an educator for 23 years now with the uh, International Wine Center in New York City and, and more. But I also worked in in sales and distribution. I worked in restaurants. I worked in retail. I've pretty much worked in every aspect of the business. And when I first started working in distribution, my life was cold calling. That was pretty much all it was. And I grew to love it. I grew to have a lot of fun with it. So I think today's podcast talking about it's going to be kind of fun. And Wendy, you and I have done some cold calling together here in the San Jose, California area. Um, can you kind of give us a little bit about your background and your love for cold calling? Absolutely. I love cold calling. I almost prefer to cold call because for me, it kind of taps into what we do as far as with an account and with our amazing portfolio of wines. I mean, it's fun to go in and not really know anything, but get to know everything about that account. And I've had an opportunity to do a lot of cold calling. In the beginning, I worked for our Royal Division, and then I went to the Regal Division, and then was so lucky to join the education team as a Central Coast Wine Ambassador. And with Royal, it felt like it was a cold call every day because you go into the big box stores, and it was like you just didn't know who you were going to be really talking to. And you had to kind of recreate that account call. So it was somewhat of a cold call, but really got into it with our regal division and with specialty retail and things of that nature. And it's just for me, it allows you to be creative. It allows you to really kind of tap into the account. And I love it when I hear we're going and doing cold calls. I'm like, put as many on the day as you want. So <laughs> I'm happy to share um, what we we do when we go into these cold calls, because not everyone's the same. Everyone kind of handles accounts differently. And so I think today with the three of us, we're going to really be able to show a couple different styles because, like I said, it's not one size fits all. Absolutely. And then a little bit of my background, I have been working at Jackson Family for seven years now and had never worked on the sales side. I started marketing, then I moved on to the education team. So when I moved down to San Jose, um, I asked for the opportunity to work with some accounts. And what they did was gave me a list of 50 accounts and these are either lapsed accounts or ones we're trying to open and then my job over the last six months in addition to everything else that i do is to try to knock down those doors and open some accounts so i've been pretty successful so far i think we've opened like eight or ten accounts um so that feels good but there's definitely some steps that you need to kind of go through and i know that cold calling can be a little daunting um and sometimes you feel a little beaten down it's like god i've been into this account like six or seven times am i talking to the right person you know what are the expectations from the account from me so wendy can you kind of talk to us about a little pre-work before 
going actually into the account? What are kind of the things you should be thinking about before you even set foot into an account? With an account that I've targeted, I actually start to do a little bit of homework even before I walk in the door. I ask other restaurants about it. I talk to the service industry with other accounts around. And then I like to visit the account and just go in, either sit at the bar, have a glass of wine, and just kind of play restaurant detective, if you will. Look around, see what's on the table, see who's drinking wine. Is it a big cocktail restaurant? What are the demographics of the diner? My favorite seat in the house is the bar. And the bartenders has the most information because they're the ones that are sending the drinks out. But they also have people at the bar sitting and talking. They're almost like a therapist. So I like to just kind of sit there, pick the bartender's brain, look around. Also, you can't not pick up the menu, whether it be the food menu, the wine list, go through and see what's on there. Find out who's calling on that account. Who's the competition? If you pick up a, a wine list and you see that it's very heavy in one particular distributor, you say, huh, does buyer have a good friend? What makes them veer in that direction? You look behind the bar and you see the back bar and it's, you know, got lots of different spirits. And then those wines for that same distributor, you know, we know that we are up against people that are selling, you know, wines based on like dangling carrots for what's behind the back bar. But get to know that account before you actually ask for the buyer. And I think probably one of the biggest challenges is to make sure that you're talking to the person who actually makes the decision. Because a lot of times you can go in there and spend five or six times of calling on that person to find out that, yeah, they kind of think they're the buyer and they really just want to <laughs> take off their wines. And then it comes down to like, I've been in here five times. What's, you know, what's keeping you from bringing on some of our great wines? What can I do? You know, staff training, et cetera, et cetera. And then they go, well, Donnie needs to approve this and we'll probably need to sit down and taste again. And you're like, wow. So pre-plan these cold calls. You do what you do every day when you go into all those accounts that you're already very familiar with. What are you going to present? Where are there some holes? But I think before any of that even comes is to do your diligence on what that account is about and really know what you're going to present before you even get in front of the buyer. Yeah, absolutely. Doing all the pre-work ahead of time, making sure you're taking a look at the wine menu and looking for holes. You want to be prepared as possible. So when you do actually meet with the correct wine buyer, you know, things can flow seamlessly and you're able to have a great presentation for them and really give them a reason to not say no. How could you not have this Oregon Pinot Noir? You don't have one on the menu. How could you not have La Crema at the sports bar where everybody is drinking wine similarly to that? So yeah, definitely the pre-work is super important. Molly, we kind of chatted about targeting accounts. Let's say you're maybe out and about and you see a new restaurant's opening. How do you kind of um, dive into that? So probably will depend on what state of opening it is. Um, having hit the streets in New York City for many years, people there are sharks. So as soon as there is a certificate of business or something in the window saying, you know, DBA, it's, it's doing business as, we start hounding in. Is this on-premise? Is it going to be off-premise? Is this a restaurant? Who's the owner? And then you can look it up actually in the um, liquor license database and try to find out there. So there's lots of ways you can find out even before it's open. 
Um, are they open? Have they hired anybody? Sometimes you can ask your friends because you're not the only one that's out there looking at that piece of paper that's taped inside the window of the establishment that's being redone. So I would ask my buddies and then, you know, try to figure it out. You know, sometimes even going through once you find out the restaurant name, uh, looking at LinkedIn, looking at Facebook. I know this sounds very stalkery, but trying to find out the buyer's name so that when you do get a chance to go in, you you seem like you know something. And you might not be able to figure out what they're doing in terms of wine at that point, those early stages. But if you know it's part of a group or part of a this, or if you know who the buyer is, you can kind of get an idea of what's going on. Now, if you walk by a place and you see it is just opened, you know, like grand opening, well, the first thing I'm going to do is walk on in. I'm just going to go in probably and plop myself down at the bar, order a cup of tea or a glass of wine, get the menu, and do basically what Wendy said. So there I'm just going to start with Restaurant Detective because I just sort of happened upon this place. And then I'll ask for the wine buyer. But there may be, you know, as you're sitting there at the bar, you can look at it online, do those things again, and try to find out the name so that you're not just saying, hey, who does your wine buying? You're like, hey, can I speak to Lisa Smith? You know, she's the buyer here. And then they'll think you know her, which is a little, maybe a little subvert, but, you know, whatever works. Before you even go in or even ask for the wine buyer, I know that I felt for a little bit some anxiety. I'm like, oh, my God, what am I going to say to them? What is my elevator pitch? Like, how do I grab that wine buyer and make them want to talk to me? I need to get them excited about our portfolio. I need to get them excited about Jackson Family Wines. So I guess Wendy or Molly, before we start chatting about setting up your day, I know it is important to think about your little elevator pitch because if you are new to sales or you are you are new to cold calling, it can be a little daunting. It's very daunting. And I will say that one of the other things that I do as I'm doing my restaurant detective work is you know, finding out what the ethos of that restaurant is. And that will help me to dial in my elevator pitch because I don't use the same one every time. If, if I understand the buyer, understand the restaurant, my, my pitch will be a little different than, than if I don't. But say I see that they're using all organic and their local farms and they're this and that, my elevator pitch is going to steer towards, hey, you know, hey, I'm Molly Battenhouse from Jackson Family Wines. I see you have a lot of organic things on your menu. Our wines are sustainable and, and we're one of the most sustainable wine companies in the world. So I usually lead with something like that and also hand them my card. Um, which has those little initials behind my name, which sometimes people recognize. And it gives them a second to be like, all right, I'll let her continue speaking another 30 seconds at least. Knowledge is key too. You know, like if it's a partnership, we know that, you know, our job is not just to go in and, and tell stories all the time. It's to really like know the business. And, and even if you haven't been doing it as long as say Molly or myself, knowledge is key and coming in and being able to, present yourself as, as someone who's going to partner with them and make them money and not sell them things that they don't obviously have a use for and are going to sit on it. You know, luckily for us with Jackson family, it's not like this for everybody, but we have brands that sell that are money makers that are well known with great scores, amazing winemakers. You know, for me, I, I think I walk into accounts and my elevator pitch absolutely is tapered to what I've already kind of started to learn about. But I come in with so much pride and so much confidence in that I have something they need. And mm -hmm. that that is very helpful. So again, yes, the elevator pitch really, I taper it to the individual. But 
for me, it's more like just walking with some confidence and with the, the notion that you're there not just to sell them a bunch of stuff that you have to get rid of for incentive. Yeah, that's key too, Wendy, what you just were talking about, your attitude. So being confident, but also having a positive attitude when you walk in the door, as opposed to maybe going in thinking, oh, this is going to be kind of a tough one. You just kind of go in and own it. And sometimes you have to bake it. Sometimes it takes practice. Absolutely. And I found, you know, the more you get in and start doing cold calling, the easier it gets. You start getting that elevator pitch down. You've got your ideas of what you need. You've looked at the wine list ahead of time and you know what the account wants and you want them to want you. So let's kind of talk about, we talked about a little bit of the pre-work. We talked about getting that elevator pitch in your hand. So let's chat about setting up your day. So, you know, there's a couple different ways you can slice this. You can spend all afternoon cold calling in an area, which I've done before. You can intersperse it with um, your account run that you already have. Maybe your tasting appointment got canceled and you're already in an area. Let's check out some places. So Molly, let's chat a little bit about setting up your day. Kind of what do you usually think about when you know you're going to be cold calling a couple accounts? Geography is part of it. You know, cold calling. When I was first starting out um, in sales, I would print out neighborhood maps on Google, Google Maps, and I would highlight uh, all the target accounts that I wanted to see on that map so that I could literally plan my route for the day. And then as I'm doing that thinking, you know, where am I going to maybe stop in for lunch? Where can I maybe stop in in the middle of the afternoon and grab like a quick coffee? Where am I going to go have a glass of wine? And then in addition to that, I'll go ahead and relook maybe at all of their wine lists and just figure out what I'm going to stick into my bag. Like what is going to be, what are, and maybe not even six wines. I might have three wines in my bag on a day like that because I'm going to be on my feet a lot or in the car. So if you're mm -hmm. in a car, you can do it a little bit differently, but if you're on your feet, limiting things to just three, and then it makes it easier for someone to say yes to you as well once you do walk in. Hey, I've only got three wines. You've got to have time. You have 10 minutes for three wines. But that's for me, geography, figuring out the day, where exactly I'm going to go, what types of places I'm going to go. Maybe I'm going to make it a mixed day with retail and restaurants so that I can do some morning and afternoon work, or you know, there's lots of things to think about when I'm getting my self together and my notes together and my wines together for the day. And Wendy, we've seen some success with even bringing one bottle to the account. You've showed me that. Can you chat a little bit about what you like to bring and maybe some things you like to drop off to the account as well after you've been in maybe once or twice? That is so funny when Molly, you were saying, you know, not six wines, maybe three wines. I'm like, one. I like to cruise <laughs> as it feels like. And it. no, I think the you have opportunities Opportunities. You don't even really know what those opportunities are until you really dive in. And you just by chance thought, well, maybe, you know, Chardonnay would be perfect. But, oh, no, they're actually looking for a Sauvignon Blanc. And thankfully, you have, you know, put some different wines in your bag. But I, with cold calling, I like to, to bring in less is best. I think about the guy with the trench coat that has like all the watches and he opens it up. He's <laughs> like, pick a watch, any watch. And you go, Oh my gosh, there's so many. I don't know which one. Simplify and kind of take away the, you know, buyers, they see people every day. Sometimes so many that they don't want another one. And it's just kind of in to just break the ice per se. And then to really just have that time to talk and ask the questions. And I think it's really important that when you do actually sit down with the, the person you're supposed to be sitting with, that you ask questions and you ask questions 
interlaced with personal questions, you know, just get to know the buyer because then you'll be able to, when you set your bag up the next time, you bring what he may or she may not have realized they were asking for. And again, it's being very aware and very intuitive and and really giving and listening. Listen to your buyers. Don't be the one that has to tell them everything you know. Let them do some talking as well. And that's kind of, and as far as like how I set my day up, I'm a big person who's driving from account to account and I look over and I see it and I go, and I pull in and walk in. Those are my favorite. But again, I think when you set up your day, putting a couple in wherever you have time is, is the best because then you know that's, that's what you've got to do. And then you go to the next one because you've got an appointment. Again, I sometimes I just do a full day of cold calling. Anna, you and I have done full days of cold calling. And by the end, you're mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, that, okay, I'm tired. You know, it's like, <laughs> it, they can they can beat you up a little bit, but they're also, for me, I kind of take them as a challenge and I just find kind of entertainment in it. Don't think too much about it and try not to be too serious about it. Like just, we're building relationships. That's what this job is, is building relationships. Yeah. One of my favorite things that I think Jan or Katie told me was you have nothing to lose. You have everything to gain. And Wendy, as you were talking, it almost made it sound so easy. Oh, when you sit down with a buyer, it's not always like that. Sometimes you do have to go in there four, five, six times. You've been in there a few times. You thought you were chatting with the wine buyer. You're not. Now you got to talk to somebody else. So let's, you know, let's chat about like, we've talked a little bit about once you're in there. Now let's chat about, okay, you maybe have had a chance to speak with the bartender. You've made an appointment. You've been in there a couple times. Let's start talking about, you know, both account arrival as well as how important follow-up is. Having worked in all aspects of the business too, you get a good sense of when is a good time to maybe go in and see people, but it does vary from account to account. So that pre-work of going into places, you know, not only looking at the list, but looking at the ebb and flow of business so that you'll know a good time maybe to come back in. So for me, for restaurants, I would tend if I'm going in at lunchtime, not at noon, not when they first open, but I'll go maybe towards the end and Often, too, the buyer is coming in around that time. So I'll do a two o'clock lunch and and finish up. And then hopefully the buyer will be in by then. And that's usually a good time for them to to taste and to sit down when they've either just started their day or they've just gotten their inventory done. I hate when I go in with a new salesperson and they're like, oh, I reserved a table. Let's go sit at the table. I'm like, no, we're not going to sit at the table. We're going to sit at the bar. The bar is where everybody is chatting. It's where you're going to listen to the servers, you know, gossiping at the end of the bar and, and you can hear what they're saying. And the wine buyer is probably going to pop up and back and behind the bar just to have some normal conversation with the bartender. So it gives you a chance to converse with them in a natural fashion. And then you can just start asking for them naturally. If you're there talking to them, it's, it makes it a lot easier. So I love sitting at the bar. And if it's in the evening, I go at the beginning of the night. Either the beginning or I had a salesperson that would go at the end of the night. I always thought she was crazy. She was a great salesperson. And she would go in at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night and finish up and chat with the chef and taste with the buyer and come out with sales at like midnight. So, you know, either at the beginning or the end, depending on how tired you get during the day. Yeah. Or maybe you're a night owl and you love the night. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I will say back in the day when I was calling on accounts, I would go and 
luckily for me, I was calling on the Monterey Peninsula. So it was pretty quiet by nine. I didn't have to go into the New York hours, but I would go towards the end of the, the shifts, the night, and I would sit and talk while they cleaned up, while they, you know, restocked, they did stuff. And it was so successful. And I've always said to certain reps, like, be able to go in sometimes on those hours that all the other guys aren't out because you really get to know the account and the people when it's cleared out and people are, and again, Molly, the bar, I can't remember the last time I really sat at a table and ate, you know, normally I, I just, I'm a bar fly, if you will. And it is, you see, and you talk and you get so much information almost effortlessly, but timing is crucial. And when you're cold calling and you're targeting an account, it can take so many stops in that account that my main thing is don't give up. I had an account and I'm not kidding you. It took me almost five years to open it. And I never stopped going. The first year I went in every couple of weeks, every week, every few days. And then finally I said, Oh, forget it. And then I started going in from time to time, time, time. And then it's what I think we'll probably get into next is when is it time to have kind of the hard discussion to ask kind of the tough questions that are not really very comfortable sometimes, but you have to say, look, you know, I've been coming in here. We've been tasting wines. Have I been bringing the wrong ones? Like never pointed out that they're just not making any, you know, say they're not giving you a bone, but you know, if I brought you the wrong ones, what can I do differently? You know, I really want to, you know, do business with you. We have so much support for your staff with staff trainings, with some of the pieces that we, you know, have created through our education team. Like we are the the full money and what what is it exactly? And you'll be surprised at, at what it is. You will be blown away sometimes that it just has to do with, well, I don't like da 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 da, da. Or I met someone from da da da. It, you just it's really kind of figuring out when to ask those those tough questions. Absolutely. I know we had a buyer, Wendy, here in San Jose, and, you know, we were bringing in wines and they loved them. They really liked the wines. And then at the end of the day, they weren't purchasing and we kept going in there. And, you know, the buyer told us, he was like, it's really up to my brother. Like, and <laughs> he was not member. He, he was like, it's whatever, you know, Nick doesn't like that style of wine. And he liked a bigger, juicier cab, which we don't have as many of those. And, you know, I still pop in there from time to time. I feel eventually they'll probably do something with us. But at the end of the day, the buyer was like, it's up to my brother. And you're like, okay, well, that's what I needed to hear. And you do need to have those, you know, come to Jesus talks because otherwise you don't want to be wasting your breath in an account and you want to be able to move into somewhere else that is going to have wine. Yeah, don't give up on that one because seriously, you'll be surprised too that the more they see you, the more you get to know them and it becomes kind of like, hey, how's it going? I've just come in to grab. I mean, we did have the best steak and cab pairing lunch. I've We did. We did. It was <laughs> worth it. But at the same time, and it is, it's frustrating because you spend the time. For us, we spent financial, you know, we that that was costly. But eventually you will chip them down. And I think sometimes too, and, and this is this is true for a lot of accounts, they're they're seeing what you have in you. Like how much are they gonna really be able to trust you? Like they're they're almost testing you sometimes. And that's what I take it as is like they're just making sure I'm I'm legit or that I'm truly who I am and what I stand for. And they're they're putting me through the ringer to, to test me. And yeah. then when you do, like when I did finally make that after five years, 
I said to myself, this is why I do this job. This is, this <laughs> is what it's all about. And um, it's, it's so rewarding, but it can also be a really long process, but just, just do it. That's what we do. Yeah. I mean, like Molly said, it's important to sprinkle in those accounts. You know, an afternoon of cold calling can be really tiresome and it can be really defeating. But it being able to sprinkle in those accounts to where you already have your route, I think is key. And it makes it kind of fun. You're able to pop in somewhere new. And now as we're kind of starting to wrap up here, if you're going to take anything away from this podcast, you know, what are kind of the crucial points? You know, is there anything maybe we didn't cover anything else that we wanted to chat about? Pre-work, I call stalking the account, um, stalking the account, finding out who they are, finding out who the buyer is, going in, sitting at the bar, figuring out their business, uh, following up. That's the last thing we haven't really touched on um, too much. This week actually was in New York City with a rep and we I feel like every time I go into New York City with this rep, we go to the same restaurant for lunch. We have a late lunch or we have a glass of wine at the end of the day to talk to the buyer. It's been a year. He's a friend. He's bought wine from me many times before, but we uh, we ran out of some inventory on him. And he didn't have such a great feeling for us for a while and kept promising us another placement as soon as this thing ran out or that thing ran out. And so we went in again, glasses of wine at the bar, waited an hour and a half for him to show up and he tastes a few things. And I don't know if we got a success out of that. I think we may have sold him some bootleg because I was telling him how great it was for the price and what a great value, but he committed to 10 cases of diatom to pour by the glass as soon as he's done now with his 18 last bottles of Chardonnay. So we finally got the promise for the order. It took a year and that's me bringing him goodies. I bring him baked goods because I know that he likes my carrot cake muffins. And <laughs> hey, you know, I, I don't I do whatever it takes. Emailing, calling, dropping in, um going back into the account over and over again and not just go in once and then email or text. You can email and text but continue to go in because they need some facial recognition if they don't start to get to know who you are and know you by face. They're really not going to respond to your texts and emails. So facial okay. recognition and getting to know them is is very key. I agree with that. I love when you have a buyer that they particularly like something you do. It's again, it's it's building a relationship. And all I can say is when you are talking with the right person is to ask them how you should follow up. How do you want me to follow up on this? Do you like emails? Do you like texts? Do you want to see me weekly? Do you, you know, your salespeople come in every Tuesday. Do you want me to join that long line of people? How do you want me to follow up? I probably wouldn't email text right off the bat. I'd want them to get to know me a little bit before I started to do that. Ask them because they definitely have, you know, they're busy. They don't want to talk to, well, especially when you have someone like me who's pretty winded and likes to talk. They don't have time for people like me all day long. Like they wouldn't get anything done. The other thing too, that we haven't really talked about that I just want to throw in as a kind of a final final is, you know, when you're out tasting wines and you have sample bottles and there's a half a bottle left and you've been trying to break into an account, stop by and drop those bottles off, put a little sticker on the back, throw some pricing on it, maybe leave a fact sheet. If they're not there, leave a card, just let them know that you want them to know what you got. You want to show them all the opportunities we have. And I think people love that. They take those bottles home. They might, you know, finish all six of them over dinner. And they share them with their staff and everything. 
you just reminded me there was one buyer in New York that um, that's how I got her to buy wine. She couldn't taste in the restaurant because there was a company policy. They didn't really have an office that she went to. So I would go by at the end of the night and I would leave them in coat check. <laughs> she would get them out of coat check and send me an email the next few days. And she also liked to converse through Facebook Messenger and not through any text or email or anything else. I, I don't understand that one at all, but it worked. Well, Molly, Wendy, as we're kind of wrapping up here, just kind of a summary of our podcast today with cold calling, make sure you're doing the pre-work, identify and target those accounts, go to the bar before you even ask to talk to the wine buyer, find the holes in the wine list, chat with the wait staff there, set up your day well, mix in cold calling with accounts that you may have, think about places you may drop in where you can drop off cards or maybe drop off wine, as you guys were saying account arrival make sure you are talking to the right person and make sure you're talk chatting with the decision maker again your pre-work should hopefully help you out with that and you can find the decision maker right then and of course follow up follow up follow up you might get lucky and get in on the first time or it might take you seven eight nine five years times but it is worth it i can see the smile on molly and wendy's face right now it's worth it so you know thank you everybody for another fabulous episode of bud break and as always if there's anything else that you would like to chat about this came from the field in new york we are more than happy to talk about it and we'll see you on our next episode thanks so much 